This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is running and growing an agency during inflation. Here to speak with me is Brian Davidson, who is the co-founder at MatchNote, an ROI-focused internet marketing company that serves its clients in the areas of digital strategy, traffic generation, and conversion optimization. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, Brian, before we talk about today's topic, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. How did you get started in digital marketing? What led you to founding MatchNode? Well, it's a little bit of a long story. I'll try to give you the condensed version. Uh, but uh, in 2006, uh, I, was, uh, I was a ski bum at the time, and I got my first job in, in basically in customer service, uh, answering the phone at a company that helped kids find sports scholarships, so a little bit like a, a match.com for high school athletes. Mm-hmm. And this is when the Web 2.0 boom is just starting to begin. And I went to my boss and I said, I think we need a social media department. Uh, And he said, basically, kid, you're in charge. Uh, So I learned it on the fly from there. Uh, And then we founded MatchNode uh, nine years ago. My friend Chris, who I actually hired uh, to do some consulting work at that initial company, we stayed friends. And we were uh, having some beers before the first Pearl Jam show at Wrigley and looked at each other and said, hey, why don't we start an agency? Uh, So we went to the coffee shop on Monday and we took it from there. Interesting. Interesting. So obviously you, you said, you know, nine years ago you found it. So you, you have a few years under your belt running That's an right. agency. Now at the moment, you know, we're recording this in beginning of December, 2022. It's an interesting economic situation, right? Um, there's, there's a lot of talk is what is going to happen in 2023. Are we flipping into a recession? The R word that no one wants to kind of, you know, throw around. Um, for an agency, what are the areas of an agency that mostly get impacted during inflation? Sure. Well, of course, our clients get impacted on one side. Our finances certainly get impacted as just our, our costs are going up. And, and, you know, the main piece of those costs are is mainly employee salary. Um, but then, of course, all the other things that go along with that, uh, benefits, et cetera. Uh, fortunately, running an agency, we don't have a crazy amount of cogs, uh, there isn't a lot of physical space. We're we're now a distributed team across the country, uh, so we're not seeing office space go up. But we're certainly seeing uh, employee requests for salary go up. We're having our employees, especially you know six nine months ago, on the market, and it was certainly really important for us to to retain them. Um, so that piece of the puzzle went up. Then the second piece of inflation uh, that we jumped on as an agency, and, and probably in the wrong way, actually, frankly is when we started the agency nine years ago, uh, we bought our first Bitcoin. Uh, a few weeks later, we bought a second one. And a few weeks after that, we sold some Bitcoin and started buying Ethereum. Um, so we had this crypto background uh, in the agency. Meanwhile, COVID happens. All of a sudden, we get a dump of cash from the government that we didn't really need, but our competitors were going to get it. So we took it as well. We certainly needed the first round of uh, relief. And the, the second round of PPP was like, I, I can't believe they're giving us this money. But we took it and we didn't really know what to do with it. And we saw inflation around the corner and we started basically a crypto treasury strategy where we're dollar cost averaging every week into Bitcoin and ETH. Um, at one point, that looked like a great idea to combat inflation. 
Uh, today, not so much, mm-hmm. uh, but it changed a little bit, you know, of how we function as an agency, trying to think about how, how we're keeping dollar reserves and how those are depleting over time. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to distributed team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we here at Symphony Digital, when I founded the company back in 2013, that was the idea. That, that I had, you know, I'd worked for, for big global agencies, the likes of Mindshare, Universal McKen, you name it. And obviously everyone is cramped in an office, you know, that's kind of how it is at, at big global mm-hmm. agencies. But uh, we wanted to do something different. We wanted to have people, great people from wherever they are, you know, without having to worry about that they have to come to an office and we need office space. No, back in the days before the pandemic, that had some cost savings, right? Because you didn't have to have an office. You know, and, and, and your overhead basically kept to a certain extent. And also people didn't cost as much because they understood if I can work from home, I don't have to go into the office. You know, I, I trade it off a little bit from a salary perspective. Absolutely. But I have to say these days, I don't see that anymore because obviously working remote has become the new normal, right? So we don't really see when I put a job post out, the salaries anyway have gone up. Up, right, but there is no difference between remote and having someone in office. How how is that for you guys? That's spot on for us. So I was a big office guy. I love going to our office downtown Chicago. I love getting on the train in the morning. Uh, I actually like the cold weather, uh, so I don't mind walking through Chicago in the middle middle of yeah. winter. Uh, I liked interacting with people, being able to wheel over to someone's desk and, and show someone junior how to do things. I thought that we'd always be an office person. Um, of course, pandemic hits and we can't be office people. And all of our systems just translated beautifully uh, to being remote, uh, using Asana, using Google Meet. We just moved over to Zoom a few weeks prior to the pandemic because I thought we needed more FaceTime with our clients. But all of our, uh, using Slack, all of our systems translated beautifully. And even though we were just distributed across Chicago, we could see immediately uh, that this was going to work for the long term. Mm-hmm. I ended up buying a house in Indiana, so I kind of forced our hand as an agency. But shortly thereafter, we started hiring more people. And in the background of all this inflation and change happening, we also had the iOS 14.5 update, uh, which really disrupted digital marketing. Mm -hmm. And my co-founder and I also were kind of looking where, where the puck is going. And we realized that creative differentiation and technical differentiation was going to be really important for paid social agencies like ours going forward. So the key hires that we hired uh, coming into that year were a creative person who was uh, on the East Coast at the time. And we hired uh, a developer who was in Kansas City at the time. Uh, She's actually now back in Brazil, uh, but we actually helped her get her visa, which I'm really proud of. And we started hiring people all over the country. Um, And that's been great. But like you said, initially there were some cost savings, like the developer we hired, if she was in Chicago, I'm, I'm sure she would have cost more than Kansas City at the time. That hadn't quite evened out, but since then the employees we've had, we've hired. I feel like it's kind of table stakes as far as a salary. It doesn't really depend on the market nearly as much as it used to. But the other funny thing that happened is, in theory, we we're saving all this money on not having office space. But I was an office guy and really believed in that office culture and how important that was. So we took all the money that we've been saving on offices and we've been getting together once a quarter uh, in different locations. And investing it right back into flights and Airbnbs and programming to keep that culture high. And how that shifts over time, uh, frankly, we're a very young agency. Um, so my co-founder and I have kids, uh, but only one other employee uh, has a kid. And of course, that starts to shift on, on how often you can do things like that. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, But but it's interesting that reinvestment and that kind of equalizing of salaries across the country. Mm -hmm. Now, in a big situation as as we are and as we're most likely moving into, clients usually start cutting back on their marketing investments. Now, for for agencies like, like, like Metronote or Symphony Digital, you know, that has an impact on, on, on the bottom line at the end of the mm-hmm. day, right? Which at the same time means we might have to either cut back on time spent on specific accounts, because if you get less, that needs to be reflected somewhere, or you have to spend the same amount of time, but you have to accept that your margin will shrink, basically. What's your thought on that? And then how do you, how do you approach that situation? Well, I would hope that our campaigns with our clients are so profitable that there is no pullback mm-hmm. that they might see a compression in their margin, but for, you know, that incremental dollar, they're still seeing profit investing in digital. Uh, I was listening to the Walmart uh, CEO talk yesterday on CNBC, and he was pointing out that yes, they are seeing addition traditional dollars into digital because that's where they see that the ROI is. So if we can prove out that ROI, and and that's really the hardest thing to do for some clients, but very, very easy to do for pure play e-commerce clients, if that ROI is still there and you can prove that incremental dollar is still driving value, there shouldn't necessarily be a pullback in budgets on marketing. In fact, that's probably the last thing you want to cut. You want to be working on cutting expenses across your business. I mean, that's that's what marketers... Right, you and I usually say, "Well, why are you cutting it?" But the reality is, they still do, right? Because the situation in the market is in this economic climate, people also lose their job, and we've seen a number of layoffs throughout Silicon Valley and in in, in other areas, right? Which means people don't have the dollars anymore to really buy some of the things that they might used to be buying, which means there is an impact for businesses, right? Your conversion rate might go down or the the demand in general goes down. So before you had X amount of people on average that would come to your online store and buy your products, but that might go down by 10, 20%, depending on how many of the people that are impacted by the economic climate actually sit within your target audience. That's true. That's true. Um, We work with a couple large banking clients, uh, one had a very large refi business, mm-hmm. basically shuttered. Home purchasing, still very profitable, but volume declining. Actually, an increase in some of the things that are a hedge against high interest rates and that uh, savings rates uh, for a while were skyrocketing. Um, and we were seeing a lot of deposits on both just the savings accounts and the CDs accounts. Uh, but we've had other clients on the e-commerce side where their supply chain has gotten crunched. We have a client that sells stationery. Their time period before Christmas to get Christmas cards out uh, is basically a lot shorter than it used to be because it just takes longer for things to get to people. It's the same on e-com, right? If you're going to buy a t-shirt for someone for Christmas, it has to get there in time. So, so far, uh, knock on wood, our Black Fridays are very comparable to last year in terms of return on ad spend. But we are seeing those kind of macro shifts. And the other place where we really see it is in some of our restaurant groups. Uh, mm-hmm. The restaurant groups that are at the higher end, uh, interestingly, are still doing very well. It's the mid-tier restaurant groups that we've seen some softness in. Mm-hmm. But then there's other things, you know, entertainment and uh, that sort of thing. You're, you're still seeing and hearing about flight numbers taking off. Yeah. The professional sports teams that we work with, we're still seeing strong numbers in terms of ticket sales. 
we're working with the Chicago Cubs on an activation at Wrigley Field this winter of people ice skating basically on Wrigley Field and a, a Kindle market around it. Very strong demand. Uh, return on ad spend is, is great. So I think there are these pockets, even as things shift, where people can be successful, but it's definitely one of those environments where you're looking where the puck is going next. Yeah, yeah. Now, from an, from an employee perspective, perspective going back there you know with, with increasing salaries right depending on whether they work remote or, or in office how are you finding talent to support the growth of your agency when salaries constantly goes up go up right and i mean what what i see is i sometimes have conversations with with, with individuals and their salary expectation is just i have to use the word it's ridiculous for for their experience but apparently there are companies out there that pay that amount for that. So how are you finding the needle in the haystack, the people that are actually good, they're actually good, you know, uh, well, and, and, and demand yeah. a reasonable salary? So a couple things there. Um, we did release to our internal employees uh, salary ranges for all the different mm -hmm. positions to try to give them a range of what we think is, is reasonable. Um, those are certainly higher than they used to be, um, but that's one way we're trying to kind of calm expectations to some degree. Uh, we used to use a search firm for a lot of our high quality hires. That's kind of out the window right now. Um, we're not in a position where we're going to pay their fee on top of things. Yeah. But we do have an extremely methodological hiring process. It takes four or five different interviews where we're pulling someone through to make sure that they're absolutely the right person. And I think we're taking even more time now to make sure that we've got the right person and Uh, we're valuing different things in, in, in different ways. Um, experience isn't nearly as important to me as it used to be. I know I can teach someone to, to do these type of things. I'm more interested in someone who has a passion for this business and really wants to work at Matchnode and thinks we're the right fit for them as, as a vehicle to grow. So those are the kind of main things that stick out to me. So you're, you're kind of moving away from looking for people that already have the, have the experience to people that have the ambition to get there, basically, yes. that, that, that are capable of kind of soaking up the knowledge that you're willing to share. Absolutely. Interesting, interesting. And have you adjusted your benefits or is that not the differentiating factor when competing for talent? Um, our benefits have improved over the years. Um, ironically, I just finished up selecting our insurance plans today. Uh, during the pandemic, one of the things that we had to do was move over to PEO for paying people all over the country. And we were able to take advantage of a PEO offering insurance rates that were better uh, than our previous setup. So I guess our benefits actually just naturally improved there um, as of today. We haven't made any major adjustments on 401k or anything like that. Um, we do offer HSAs to all of our em employees as well in terms of saving. We did used to reimburse people for cell phones and uh, gym memberships. Uh, we did basically cut that and just gave everyone a, a small bump um, because that wasn't going to be in the past when we were at, at an office. We said we'd pay for your gym membership if you went X times per, per month, basically. And we didn't really police it, but we wanted to make sure that there was some buy-in. Uh, we realized that was impossible uh, yeah. in a remote environment. So we, we punted on that. But no, I, I don't get the sense that benefits are the differentiating factor right now compared to the culture fit, uh, the pace within the agency, uh, the lifestyle, 
that that's the biggest thing that I, I've seen in terms of pure benefits in a traditional way. The other big wild card is, is vacation time. Uh, we did have an employee come to us with another offer uh, that involved more vacation time than anyone at the company uh, ever got. So I knew that was going to be an issue almost immediately. Uh, and we ended up moving to unlimited vacation for everybody. Um, so there's a lot more vacation happening than used to. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. I tend to be a workaholic who works all the time while I'm on quote unquote vacation. Uh, but that's not for everybody. And, and that's not going to keep people with your agency long-term. And in the people that I've talked to that have implemented unlimited policy in the past, they seem to not think uh, that it's affected them at all. So hopefully yeah, I mean, that doesn't come back to bite us. Uh, but we're in the yeah. early <laughs> Look, we have had unlimited vacation policy for a number of years now. And I don't really see that anyone within the company, you know, takes that and just, just barely shows up, so to speak, right? I think if you have the right people within your team that, as you said, they're invested in the company, that love their job, that, that love the culture and everything else, they will make sure that they balance it out. I mean, I still sometimes feel like I have to tell people to go on vacation because yeah. I feel like the mindset, and look, I'm from Europe, I'm from Germany. In Germany, on average, you have between 24 and 30 days. In, and then on top of that, you have the national holidays, right? So you, you sometimes go to 40, 50 days off, which is obviously completely um, unheard of here. Right. Um, but back in the days when I was, was at agencies, you know, you had like your 10, 12 days. And then that seems to what people still have in mind. So this uncapped vacation is, is something I don't think that that changes people behavior when it comes to how much time they take off necessarily. Well, two things to add there. Uh, we worked with a European eyeglass company. And uh, yes, I could not believe how many days they had off. <laughs> it was hard to be rescheduling calls all the time. Uh, but two, you're right. Uh, one of our core, core values is accountability uh, to your teammates and to your clients. And if you're on vacation all the time, that falls apart pretty quickly. Uh, yes. So it's important to have that as table stakes to make sure. Otherwise, you're not going to be around as an agency very long. Yeah, yeah. If we want to kind of... Stop talking about employees. From your perspective, what are the key things that, that you think an agency owner or an agency should do to ensure that in, in an economic situation like now, they continue to be able to grow the agency? If you, if you can bring it together kind of in, in, a, in a short paragraph. Sure. Um, I think we're at one of those moments where things that you're very certain about, you should be thinking very critically about. Uh, we're very actively considering changing our service offering for the first time in five years, uh, considering adding some services, thinking that we can, there might be meat on the bone uh, with some of our clients uh, that we're not getting, and we could be expanding profitably in a, in a smart way. So I think it's one time, is a time to be thinking really strategically and not having any sacred cows. The second piece I would say is understanding that your client's strategy can be shifting and you should be communicating really, really clearly with them as often as possible on that topic and not being stuck in the reports and looking at ads and campaign setup or landing page testing. I think it's one of those moments, where, again, where you should be stepping back and thinking about what has changed, how can we contribute to you uh, succeeding as a business and what needs to shift within your offering. Hmm. Uh, 
so I think it's one of those moments where you can't get stuck in the forest. You really got to stuck in the trees. You got to see the forest. That makes a lot of sense. Now, financials. I mean, that's a, that for an agency. I mean, for any business, that's that's a that's a very important area. You got to have control over over your costs. You got to be able to 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 predict what's going to happen. How do you navigate that area with potentially declining revenue and a client still expecting the same level of service? Well, we have minimum thresholds that we stay under in terms of or above, I should say. Uh, in terms of profit per employee. And we're very rigid about right-sizing the business. Uh, we had to at the beginning of COVID. Felt bad about that, but we basically took the first round of PPP money. And once it was gone, I'm like, okay, well, we need to right-size the business going forward. Mm-hmm. When we started the business, uh, my business partner had come just from uh, a video game company that was uh, very wildly successful in some ways in terms of partnerships and technology that they built, but they never made a dime. Mm. The agency that I had come from down in Tampa, they had a lot of great partnerships. Uh, they were one of the first ever Facebook official development partners, uh, but they also were unprofitable. And when we started MatchNode, uh, we were both still unmarried, uh, but you know, rents and credit card was about all we had to pay. So we were very deliberate on we are going to optimize this from the very beginning for profit and paying ourselves first. And we're happy to do the work ourselves if that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be pretty stringent on on sticking to that profit per employee. And if we need to right-size things, we have levers that we're going to pull. And I think you can't necessarily come into an environment like this and try to be the nice guy. I think you definitely need to, again, be really clear-eyed about where we're going. And if the writing is on the table that something is not right-sized within the business, uh, I think you need to be default alive rather than trying to either take a loan or cutting salary. I think you need to run a profitable business. And if that means right-sizing things in terms of salary or benefits or whatever you're doing, uh, maybe outsourcing X, X, and Y, or maybe cutting tool that's profitable or not profitable, very costly, might save yeah. you time, but not necessarily core to the business offering. I think that's key. That really requires you having a firm understanding of, of, of your financials from an yes. investing perspective, obviously, right? You know, where, where are you kind of spending money? You know, obviously, yeah. people is, is, is quite important because they do the work. They kind of serve the client. Um, and then, as you mentioned, there might be tools that you're using, but do you really need those tools? And some of these tools can be expensive. We're using a, uh, a software solution to normalize data for our reporting. <laughs> Whenever I get the invoice, I'm like, holy cow, this is this is expensive. And we don't charge for, for, for reports for our clients, right? It's part of the fee they are paying. But at some point, it's like, you need to start charging for building out specific reports because we have a reporting template which is standardized but what if a client really wants more than that and wants certain tools or systems integrated um are we at a point where we have to say you know what it takes time therefore you know someone has to do it we might have to start charging for it i mean that's at least the way how i look at it right i mean you want to you want to be able to maintain the way how you do as long as possible you know, but if, if you see that certain costs are increasing, then you have to think about if you might have to charge for it at the end of the day, if you gave that away up to that point. 100%. Um, and one of the other things that's so important in terms of staying on top of your finances as an agency 
is watching your AR really closely. Uh, we actually outsourced our AR uh, last year at the beginning of the year, and it was a really poor decision. Our AR actually grew by quite a bit. We actually brought it back in-house and we hired someone in the Philippines to help us manage our books to cut that cost in terms of outside accounting, lowering it in terms of overall cost, but also decreasing that AR and staying on top of it on a, on a constant basis to make sure the cash flow is where it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with, with trying to maintain a certain level of profits, right? Again, economy is tough. You might not be able to maintain your 50, 40, or whatever the, the, the profit margin goal that you go for. Um, you might not be able to maintain that. You've got to be a little bit flexible. How flexible do you or are you when it comes to clients kind of renegotiating contracts? So contract comes up, you know, client is happy, but, you know, they send signs that it's getting tough for them to... What is your approach to that? Are you kind of holding your ground? It's like, look, this is, you get a great service. This is what it costs, period. Or are you open to conversations? And, and, and how, do you, how do you frame those? How do you approach those conversations? So at the beginning of this cycle, we actually proactively went and looked at all of our clients and looked at scope creep and realized mm -hmm. there's a lot of places where we weren't charging uh, for things that we said we would do initially. Uh, so... I'm sorry, we weren't with we X amount of pieces initially and there was scope creep and then we never charged for it. So we went to select clients and got small increases uh, in, in different places. For some clients, we uh, used a template that we got from another agency in Chicago that we're friendly with. And we simply sent out an email uh, saying due to inflation and employee costs, we're implementing X amount price, price hike. Mm -hmm. And those were met by all of our clients except one with understanding arms. Uh, certainly no one's happy about receiving something like that, but everyone sure. was pretty understanding. But the way our contracts work for the majority of our clients is we start with a 90-day sprint to prove ourselves, and then things move to really a 30-day uh, moving contract uh, where either side can get out uh, at any time, which I like because it holds our feet to the fire. In theory, our clients could try to renegotiate at any time. They're not really locked in, the majority of them. Some of the larger ones, like sports franchises, they, they need those sort of things just contractually. So those are in place. But a lot of our smaller clients uh, feel nimble and that they could turn us off. And I think that puts them at ease to some degree. I've only had one client so far come to us and, and look for savings. Uh, we did grant a, a little bit of savings in exchange for uh, actually a reduction in the scope of work. And we'll see uh, going forward. Uh, some of our clients where there is a me mechanism around percent of ad spend, we, we don't like to do that because I don't think it necessarily aligns both parties. But uh, there's one specific client where that's a big part of our comp. Uh, that's down a little bit as they haven't been able to spend profitably as, as much as they would like to. Yeah. So those conversations are happening. Uh, the way our model works and that it really requires trust on both sides to do it every 30 days. And I think that flexibility has earned us a little bit of uh, a rope there. Interesting. I think one thing that you said earlier, I think it's really important kind of looking at that scope creep, right? I mean, mm -hmm. unless you're writing a contract that, that has so many guards in there, you know, that, that it's really hard to, that that actually happens. In many cases, there's scope creep. And then looking at what are we doing for a client and, and, and having an honest conversation with your client about, look, you know, this is what, what we initially set out to deliver. And this is what we're doing now. 
might be a good first step to look at either kind of either taking that additional work out because the client might have someone to take care of it or you know, having a conversation about slightly increasing the fee in, in order to cover the cost and, and leave some profit over for that particular client. 100%. And usually it's really clear. <laughs> you look at the SOW and you look at all the things that you're doing and you can list out XX and Y uh, that went above and beyond when you point that out to the client and they realize how important that's been to their business. Yeah. They really jump on understanding your, your point of view. Yeah. yeah. Now, Brian, um, unfortunately, we come to the end of today's uh, podcast episode. Um, thanks so much for joining me on the Performance of Podcast and sharing your thoughts on, you know, running and growing an agency during inflation. Now, if people want to find out more about you and MatchNote, how can they get in touch? Just come to our website. Uh, it's just M-A-T-C-H-N-O-D-E. So match, like a good old match that lights on fire, N-O-D-E. Perfect. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.